Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Planning for Retirement podcast, where we help educate people on how retirement works. I'm Kevin Lau, your host. I'm also the lead financial planner at Imagine Financial Security. Imagine Financial Security is an independent financial planning and investment management firm based in Florida. However, this information is for educational purposes only and should not be used as investment legal or tax advice. This episode is called The Consequences of Extended Care in Retirement, featuring Harley Gordon. You will not want to miss Harley's insights on this important topic for retirees, pre-retirees, their advisors, their loved ones. And we really hope you enjoy the show. And if you like what you hear, give us that five-star review, give the show a follow, and make sure to stay up to date on our latest episodes. Today, we are joined by Harley Gordon. Harley is the founding member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys and is also the founding principal of the CLTC, or Certification and Long-Term Care Designation, and he's recognized as one of the top 10 most influential people in the long-term care industry. I am super excited to have you on the show today, Harley. Welcome, and I'd love to just have you kick it off with your background and how you got into the industry. So look, I have to correct something. Uh, you said I'm one of the top 10, top 10 what? Uh, influ- Most influential people in this in the LTC industry. So I think it's only fair I tell you the other nine are out of the business. <laughs> there so, you go. So what does that what does that make me? I, I think that makes you number one, right? That's exactly. Right. So let's, let's get off the most that. influential person in the LTC. I love it. So um, anyway, look, I'm one of the uh, I'm not the founding member, but one of uh, seven or eight founding members of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. It's important to give that background because it serves as the basis of, of the questions you're going to be asking and the information uh, hopefully your, your uh, clients and others find uh, useful. So uh, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, or NALA, that's, that's the moniker, uh, was a group of attorneys who specialized in something called Medicaid planning. So Medicaid planning is working with families, getting them on a program they're not entitled to. A pause is intentional. I work with families with six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars who are facing uh, a family member going into a nursing home and showing them how to protect the money. So many people think that that's a rotten, miserable thing to do. It's legal. And you can argue that it's not right. I mean, Medicaid is for those with limited income and limited assets. What right do I have to put these people or help these people get on Medicaid? So it is a rotten, miserable thing with one exception, and you may want to take a note of this, Kevin, unless it's your mother. Then it ain't such a bad program. (laughs) The people who came to see me all shared something in common. They never thought they'd need care over an extended period of years. They also shared in common that not one of them understood the consequences to those people that they had invited into their lives and had promised to take care of and to protect. The people who came to see me, by the way, was not the person who needed uh, long-term care, which I call extended care. It was the children. And they all started the conversation with the following observation. You know, Mr. Gordon, we just want you to understand that this has nothing to do with the money. Do you believe that? Mm -hmm. Had everything to do with the money. Yep. And they're upset with their parents. Some of them were for spending their money. I'd ask them, and this is a really important point. Did the family have a financial advisor? I would say 30, 40% said they did. Hmm. Then the next question is, if you know, did the family advisor ever talk proactively about this subject? 
I would say 10, 12% said um, no. Wow. So frankly, the reason people came to see me is that someone wasn't doing their job. And those are financial advisors who family trust, who don't think the subject is worth spending time on. Hmm. And when someone does need care, the first thing the advisor says is, well, let, let's buy, let, let's get you some insurance. So of course the person's going to be declined and now they get upset at the advisor and the advisor is in a pickle. This is a conversation, Kevin, that has nothing to do with the risk of needing care. People just deeply believe it's not going to happen, particularly men. Interesting thing about men, they have the innate ability to separate, to bifurcate the risk of an awful thing happening from its consequences. If they deeply believe that they're not going to die during working years, and many guys do, in their mind, are there any consequences to anyone, Kevin? No. No. Therefore, why are we talking about insurance? If a person deeply believes that they're never going to need care, and most guys believe they're not going to need care, then in their mind, there are no consequences. Why have a conversation? The subject, and I refer to it as extended care, because if you use the expression long-term care, the first first thing the client thinks you're talking about is what? Insurance. Old people, insurance, nursing sure, yeah. homes, dementia, yep. incontinence. If you use the expression extended care, the client is likely to say, what do you mean? And you can mm. continue the conversation. So what do I mean? What is extended care? First and foremost, it has absolutely nothing to do with the client you're talking to. You, as an advisor, and many present this as a series of risks based on statistics. As I said before, if the client deeply believes there is no risk, then there are no consequences. What this conversation is about is a set of consequences. There are two serious, if not irreversible, sets of consequences to an extended care event. The first is the emotional and physical well-being that your client has sworn to protect and provide for. And the second is to the portfolio, which was never allocated to pay for care. And in so doing requires a reallocation of cash flow and capital. So when you explain that to people, that's a series of consequences and you bring the client back to why he or she got in the business of having a family in the first place, that will get their attention. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, Mary? Yes. Uh, kids? Three. Three boys. So for those, up, for those people out there, especially women, listen to what I'm going to tell this guy, okay? So you're married and you have three kids, right? <laughs> Three yeah. boys under the age of four, yes. Yeah. So, so, Kevin, you finally did something good with your miserable life. <laughs> That's true. I guess my, you know, my wife would agree with that. And Well, listen, what were you doing before you got married? And what marriage does is to bring a focus and it brings a great deal of joy and responsibility, which men want. So when you talk to a person about a subject that impacts that responsibility, that's what will get their attention. Mm. So that's why I mentioned that's it's good. not a it's not a series of risks that you yeah. talk about it's a series of consequences. Well, you know, Harley, I think that's such so there was so much to unpack there. I mean, um, you know, it's it, it sounds like a lot of the planning that you did before that getting into the CLTC, you know, with the elder care was more reactive 
right? As opposed to proactive. And it sounds like it sounds like the the conversations, you know, perhaps with the client that needed care at the time, you know, it sounded like it was not as common to have those those conversations about long term care. How should that conversation sound? You know, like you know, let, you know. Let's say we're talking to the advisor, or let's say let's say you're 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 speaking directly to the consumer. You know, like what what should they be thinking about when it comes to planning for long term care? Like, how do they actually plan for long term care? Well, first they have to understand what the consequences of an extended care event are, and that's the responsibility of the advisor. Many financial advisors dealing with high net worth people just simply think it's not a subject. It's nursing homes and old people and dementia and incontinence. That's exactly the opposite of what it is. And a reactive conversation is where the advisor is waiting for the client to bring up the subject. If the client brings up the subject, Kevin, it's for one of two reasons. One, they need the product. Yeah. Um, they just had a small stroke and now they mm -hmm. want insurance. And they're probably uninsurable at that point. Yeah, take out the word probable. They're uninsurable. Yeah. The second reason is a prior experience. And this is a very yeah. interesting point. The family went through a, an awful prior experience that had serious consequences to family. What, what do I mean by that? There are situations where in a family that is taking care of someone who needs care, there's a very good possibility that children would never talk to each other again. That's a pretty serious consequence. Absolutely. What they find out is that the commitments these families made to continuing responsibilities to take care of a child with special needs, to help a child who's not made the best decisions in life, to help grandchildren with an education, all of which comes from cash flow. They can't keep those commitments now because mm -hmm. you have to reallocate cash flow to pay for care. So what we do and what we suggest advisors do is to turn a reactive conversation into a proactive one. But to do that, Kevin, the advisor, the FA, the RIA, if you will, has to believe the subject has a direct impact on their business model. And that's really one of the things that we're talking about. Extended care has nothing to do with the person who needs care. He or she will be taken care of. It has to deal with the consequences of providing that care. I'll give you an example. If you're talking to a client and you said, Frank, I can't imagine you'd ever want your kids involved if you ever needed care, what would a decent guy say? No, it's none of their business, correct? No. Yeah. You know what we suggested in our, that an advisor say to the client? Tell me what choice hmm. they'll have. Hmm. Now, if that doesn't That's get good. their attention, and then you, have a, then you have an opportunity to explain what the consequences are. Providing care to those who are chronically ill will make healthy caregivers chronically ill, period. Hmm. An extended care event does not bring families together. It tears them apart. Paying for care requires a wholesale reallocation of cash flow, which was never allocated to pay for that care, which means the commitments this person took into retirement cannot be kept. Hmm. Now, those are pretty serious consequences. And once a client understands that it has an impact on his or her, mostly his, continuing responsibilities to provide and protect, that's something to listen to. So that's really the point uh, I'm trying to make um, to let an advisor such as yourself uh, understand how serious the subject matter is and then giving them a con uh, the, the confidence to discuss it yeah. in a manner that doesn't create objections, that doesn't create an argument. Here, you want an example? Please. 
So when you're talking to someone about long-term care or extended care, the client says, what if I don't need care? Well, traditionally, you'd have to say, well, based on AARP surveys and based on statistics, and that's not going to get you anywhere because why does he think you're telling him that? To sell a product. Yeah. Fear, sell fear. Yeah. So what if you tell him, I'm not suggesting you will need care. Now you're agreeing with him. What if you don't need care? But if you did, you tell me what happens to Susan. Next objection. Uh, What if I don't live a long life? I'm not suggesting you will. And then you suggest to the client, Kevin, Frank, you're looking at this as a series of risks to you. This is a conversation about a series of consequences to them, the people you invited into your life and you said you take responsibility for. See, that's conducting a respectful conversation. That is honoring the commitment that Kevin Lau made to his family. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. No, Anything. Good. Anything that impacts your family is something you listen to. Anything oh, yeah. that impacts, anything that impacts you, kiss my behind. You yeah. Find well, well, Harley, I mean, I, I think this is an interesting, um, you know, exercise, sort of overcoming objections. I'll just throw out one that I I hear often. You know, dealing with clients that are, you know, mass affluent, high net worth individuals. You know, they oftentimes just say, "Hey, you know, I have enough money. It'll I'll just spend my my kids' inheritance. You know, they don't need my inheritance, right?" I mean, I hear that all the time. I mean. You know, is that a reasonable objection? And, and, and a, you know, how would you, how would you respond to that? So let's back up. How quickly into the conversation did the client think you were trying to sell them a product? Honestly? Well, you know, you know, I, I think my setup is not interesting because well, not well, you know, tell me the truth. I don't, well, I don't sell insurance. I don't sell long-term care insurance. So but when you talk about, when you talk about risk and cost of care and statistics, they think you're trying to hustle a product. So. Can he self-insure? Absolutely. He just told you that he deeply believes he's never going to need care. Didn't he just tell you that? That's to get maybe, you maybe off not. his yeah. back. Nah, hey, hey, that's to get you off his back. Now, I'll bet you, I'll bet you that the minute this guy has a diagnosis, he doesn't call his wife. He calls up the advisor looking for what? Insurance. Right. You got it. Yeah. You see, what you do is by using mm-hmm. risk as a motivating factor, he sees that as a as just an excuse to sell a product. Now remember, he doesn't think there's any risk to begin with. So how does he get rid of you? Ah, I can self-insure. Now compare that to women, your wife, for example. Women fundamentally see no difference between a risk and a consequence. A risk is a consequence. Have you thrown your kid up in the air yet? <laughs> All the time. Okay. What's the first thing your wife says? She just what are you doing? looks the other way. <laughs> You're, trying to, You're trying to kill my kid. <laughs> so why do you, you know this better than anyone. In the world of insurance, you always want to make sure the wife is in the room, right or wrong. Mm, yeah. Because what she's saying to her husband is, I don't think you understand. I don't want you to die. You have to understand what happens if you die because she sees the risk of dying and the consequences is one and the same. Here, you start conversations with the use of risk and statistics and AARP. First thing he's thinking, trying to sell me something. So let me deal with the objection. 
What if I don't need care? Never said you would. But here are the consequences if you did. Here's your objection. I can self-insure. Here's what I would say. You can. There's no doubt about it. But let's start with this, Tom. Let's consider your portfolio as a capital asset. Don't use assets. Use a capital asset. Because smart people understand capital has one purpose, and that's to generate predictable streams of income. Now, what happens when you sell appreciated assets that would receive a step up when they go through the estate? You create an unnecessary tax. A lot of tax, yep. What if, you, tax. what if you needed care in 2008? What would have happened? Oh, yeah. Selling when everything is going down. You would have actualized an unactualized loss. Number three, liquidity. Many of your clients are not liquid. I had two successful businesses. I wasn't liquid. So you have to sell an asset. Can you sell an asset? What are you going to get for it? Mm. What are the taxes? And what if it's an asset generating income that was part of your income stream? That's gone. So yeah. what you do is you lay out the consequences of going into capital as opposed to fighting with him and telling him that the nursing home is $100,000 a year. You're going to run through your money. He's going to say, I'm not. But what if you did? But I won't. You see what happens? You get into it's, an yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. So never talk about risk. And when you don't, and you tell them that you likely won't need care. Mm. But let's look at the consequences if you did. I'll give you an, another example. Do you remember not, well, I don't know if you're old enough to remember 9-11. Of course. Yeah, I, I remember very well. I mean, I remember sitting junior year in high school, watching it on TV, just thinking, Okay. What, the, you know, what is going on? What happened to life insurance sales nine twelve? Oh, through the roof. I remember. I, I yeah. I remember reading that statistic. You know why? Because people like us saw people like them dying. Yeah. And the last thing many of them said, if they could make a phone call to their spouse, was what? What's the last thing they said? I love you. Take love care. You, of yeah. yeah. Now, what happened to the sustainability of life insurance production? It dropped precipitously mm -hmm. because people can't live their life in fear. There's a perfect example of people measuring not the, not the risk of dying, but the consequences mm -hmm. of dying. And so if I would suggest to you and what I teach other advisors, never talk about risk, never yes. use a statistic. Simply yeah. bring people back to why they got in the business of having a family in the first place. Anything that undermines that is something they'll listen to. Well, I mean, I think that's a really good point, Harley, because, you know, the what I think a lot of advisors are trained to talk about is the risk. You know, they, they kind of, you know, everywhere I read around long-term care planning, it's, you know, I see this 70% likelihood of needing care if you're over 65 and, and then the cost of care. But, but yet, at least from my observation with my clients, as well as just in the industry, you know, less than half of retirees go into retirement with long-term care insurance, which is interesting. And it kind of goes back to, you know, you know, earlier when I mentioned the self-insuring, I think some of that comes from, you know, potentially a distrust in the long-term care insurance industry. You know, if you remember, you know, when, when I took your CLTC course in 2010, you know, I remember the, um, the, the lead long-term care planner just, you know, she, she brought up the statistic to us saying, oh, there were over a hundred companies selling long-term care insurance in the, the early 2000s. At that time in 2010, 2011, there were, I think, what, less than a, around a dozen, you know, carriers. So I think a lot of people potentially have this distrust in, are they pricing these products appropriately and seeing these premium increases? Yeah. Do you, well, do, how, do you, how do you overcome that, that objection? Because I think that's another one 
You know, that's on people's mind. Don't talk about the father. Don't talk about it. Kiss the cat. Yeah. So here, here, throw an objection at me. Hey, Harley, you're talking yeah. about long-term care insurance. Tell me that, okay? Yeah. Hey, Harley, we're talking about long-term care insurance, and I, my 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 father had his policy never they never paid any claims and just kept raising premiums. Yeah. Okay. Look. Um, you know, Kevin, the product may or may not be appropriate. What's appropriate right now is this conversation. You see what I just did, Kevin? I gave you control over the conversation. When you use risk, you've lost control. And anything that undermines the credibility of an advisor, they won't touch. Mm. So number one, they have to believe the subject matter is important to their business model. And number two, how can I engage in a conversation that I can control versus one that spins out of control because people are constantly challenging me? I'll yeah. give you, I'll repeat the, the example. What if I don't need care? I never said you would. What if I don't live a long life? What you could say to a client that you know very well is, you know, you could say to them, Tom, you don't look that good right now. <laughs> and then you tell them, Tom, you're looking at this as a series of risks to you. Thomas, this is really a conversation about a series of consequences to them. Well, you're trying to sell me your product. The product may or may not be appropriate. What's appropriate is the conversation. So first mm -hmm. and foremost, Kevin, the advisor yeah. has to believe the subject is important enough to integrate into a portfolio review. Yeah. And then you're That's talking good. to people who would not bring the subject up. You know what that means? That means they're healthy. Isn't that something yeah. the is interested in? So that's how I deal with it. And um, I guess it's working. I mean, we had yeah. over 25,000 graduates when I sold the company. And when I talk to industry experts now, they all believe the subject of reactive versus proactive is very, very, is very powerful. Yeah. So that's how you deal. You never talk about risk again. And by the way, yeah. in your business, you have risk management, correct? No. Yeah. Consider using the term consequence management. That's, that's good. Think about that. The client says, what are you talking about? Well, if you do not, if you don't, if you don't, um, uh, uh, what's the word, the portfolio? Um, um, <laughs> I can't think of the expression. Um, rebalance? No, uh, yeah, rebalance. If you don't rebalance your portfolio, here are the consequences. You see what I'm saying to you? Yep. Here are the consequences. Well, you the know, it's the commitments you made. By the way, talk about commitments for a second. As people age, Kevin, the kids may have left the house. They haven't left the, the families. They haven't left the parents' life. I'll repeat that. Hmm. A child may leave the house, but they don't leave the parents' life. And commitments, which they had growing up, are exchanged for a new set of commitments. Now, here's the interesting thing about, about parents, particularly men. They may complain about all the responsibilities they have, but they basically love them. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I just supposed to get, I, see what I just did? That these are common denominators. You might complain that your wife had a pair of, of, of uh, Jimmy Choo shoes, but you know something? If, if, if you could afford it, she wanted them, that's what you would do. So what I just did is to bring you back to why I got in the business of having a family in the first place. 
you know, when I said to you, you did something good with your miserable life, every guy laughs because before they got married, there was no focus, was there? Wow. Just going out, drinking, having a good time with your buddies and, and not a care in the world. And now look what happened. You have yeah. someone who loves you, who looks up to you. And here's a very important point. Men being born of women seek for their whole lives a woman's approval. And you and you you get that approval from your from your wife by doing what? Keeping your commitments and staying focused and making sure you're a good dad. So these are very powerful things to think about. And then you put them in a conversation that brings a person back to why they got in the business of having a family. Anything that undermines that, that interrupts that is something to listen to. So hopefully that's that's, that's helpful great. you, but to your clients. That's great. As you know, who, who you know very well, my daughter's 43 years old. Yesterday, she was sleeping on my chest. <laughs> I love that. One day, they're walking down the driveway. The next day, they're backing out of it. And that's when you're talking to a 55-year-old, and he or she, they'll shake their head and say, what happened? What happened to 50 years? Hmm. But you know what didn't change? Our affection and commitment and respect for our children. So that's really what you want to focus on. And then you talk That's about good. what an extended care event brings to that family. That's great. I, I think I think just just re, I think like you said, re, refocusing the conversation instead of kind of throwing out this this the statistics and you know um, you know the likelihood of someone needing care and the cost of care. I think just focusing on the family members and the impact it would have on them. I, I think the number one thing I hear from clients when they're planning for retirement is they don't want to be a burden on their loved ones. That's the number one thing I hear. You know, it's not. That's that's assuming I need care, which I don't. Well, well, not not even necessarily care or not. I think it's more so like the the risk of running out of money. You know, like you know they don't want to spend too much. They don't want to be a burden on their family. You know, and I, I don't I don't think it just I don't think it just relates to the long term care discussion. It's just living a potentially thirty plus year. Well, just in retirement, paying for care requires a reallocation of cash flow. Make that statement. You know what the client says? What do you mean? By the way, Kevin, if someone says, what do you mean? You can continue the conversation. True. Well, let me explain to you what happens. Paying for care is a cash flow issue. You have to reallocate cash flow to pay for care. You know what a lot of families will do? If it's the man who needs care, the wife will step in. She won't yeah. touch the money. She's afraid she'll run out. You know, what happens to her, you know what happens to her emotionally and physically? Deteriorates. Now watch, now watch the chain reaction. There's a child who steps in and says, look at my mother starting to feel yeah. taking care of, of her, uh, of, of my father. Now, there are four kids. You think each one's doing 25%? No, no. You're off your antipsychotic medication. One will step in. Yeah. Will the other three contribute? Yes. Yeah. Go call their sister and say, how's Ma doing? True. You know what the sister says? How's your mother doing? Get off your fat rear end and come over and see how your mother's doing. <laughs> yeah. You know why you're laughing? Because it's true. Oh, 100%. I see it all the time with so, clients and their families. But these are the consequences. And again, he says, what if it doesn't happen? I'm not suggesting it will. Pay attention. No. You understand the consequences. And that's what you focus on. You understand the consequences if you don't reallocate your portfolio? Do you understand the consequences if you liquidate in the down market? Don't use the word mm. risk. You understand no. the consequences. It's a consequence conversation. Anyway, didn't mean to yell at you. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, you know, you look at Silicon Valley Bank, you know, in the news the last couple of weeks, they had 
they had uh, they're 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 seeing the consequence of having to liquidate assets at an inopportune time. You know, interest rates going up, their bond portfolios had a two billion dollar loss. Now they're they're bankrupt, and I think that's one concept I talk to clients about is you know aligning their portfolios with their time horizon. Well, if the consequence of needing care, you don't know when that's going to be, and um, you know, reallocation of cash flow, you don't know if that's going to be in an 0809 or a 2022. Um, so I think that's a that's an important issue to address. You know, the liquidity is, issue and it's taxes. Not gonna, it's not going to happen to you. It's not yeah. going to happen to your family. That's how yeah, you look. Yeah. So, um, anyway, no, no, no. you know, that 9-11 example is a perfect example mm-hmm. of a person seeing someone like themselves dying. If you look at, I, I, I can't even, you're seeing people, you're seeing people jump out hmm. of an 80, uh, I can't even get the words oh, it's out. Awful. No, it's awful. Okay. And you know what they look like? You and me. And I swear yeah. to you, like the sun comes up to the east in the morning, the last thing, if they could make a call to their spouse was, I love you. You ever hear Cantor Fitzgerald? Mm-mm. You ever hear Cantor Fitzgerald? No. Cantor Fitzgerald was one of the largest bond trading firms in the country. They were in the North Tower, I think. Hmm. There's a very dear friend of mine, a fellow named David Buckwald, who owns a financial services company, Atlas Capital. His biggest account was Cantor Fitzgerald. He had 34 people who he had sold insurance to. The average age was under 50. The average salary was a half a million dollars a year. Wow. <clears throat> All were killed. Uh, he delivered 29 checks. You know what happened to the other five people? They lapsed their policies. No. Oh. Now, why would, a, why would a 45-year-old lapse a life insurance policy? Why would he do that, Kevin? I probably didn't think it was going to happen to him. Exactly correct. He hmm. said the company's paid out $30 million and he was giving a speech in front of an audience and they all start to clap. He said, why are you clapping? You think each one had a million dollars? He said the average policy was $600,000, just barely to cover a year. Wow. A year. Salary. Now, what does that hmm. tell you about men and risk? Yeah. Don't see it. Don't see it. No risk, hmm. no consequences, no discussion particularly because you're trying to sell me a product. So not that you asked, I would never again, ever mention a statistic for cost of care. That's just going to happen to someone else. And if they can self-insure and don't argue with me, they can self-insure, no doubt about it. They have a diagnosis. They won't even tell their wife. They'll call you asking for long-term care insurance. Yes or no? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it is true. And then it's too late. And now you see the consequences. Yeah. And anyway, I, you know, well, I think that's great, Harley. And I, and I think, um, you know, there's so, there's so much to unpack. And I, I think just, just reframing the conversation and, and most importantly, just having, just start, just having that conversation. You know, if you're, if you're a consumer out there listening, you're not in financial services, have a conversation with your advisor. If you don't have one, find one. If you're an advisor, have those conversations with your clients that are, what would you say, over, over 50, you know, is, is a good time to start the discussion, Harley? What are your thoughts? 
Well, people in the early 50s share something in common. They have, if their parents were alive, they start seeing their parents who are in their 70s or 80s, yeah. starting to have health care issues. Number two, they're surrounded by friends whose parents are having health issues. Right. You know, they all, you know what they all talk about? How it's killing me. No. And by the way, that's assuming they like their parents in the first place. <laughs> I've seen situations. I've seen situations where a sibling has said to another, she can kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm not going to go and help her. Do you remember where she was when we were growing up? Mm. You see what this brings up? You see the bile, the yeah. bile. And then a child puts aside his or her life. The other kids contribute by calling up. How's Ma doing? Get off your fat rear end and come over and see how your mother's doing. Mm. See what happens? And that parent, that child has put aside his or her life. Um, you probably know that uh, Emily, my daughter's yeah. mother and I divorced for 25 years. I got her a long-term care policy. I pay for it every month. <laughs> Why? Because I love my children. It's not their yeah. responsibility to their lives decide to take care of their mother. Now, That's I can right. say it's not my responsibility, but what a really rotten thing to do. And yeah. to shift that responsibility to the children. Shameful. So, you know, let me mention one other thing to you. Second marriages. I'm in a second marriage. My wife has four children. I have three and one with her. I need care. My wife provides the care. She starts to fail emotionally and physically. What are her kids thinking about me? Not my responsibility. Yeah. They see the mother failing, taking care of someone, not their father. First thing they're thinking is, why don't your kids get off their ass and take care of you? Number two, whose money's being spent providing the care? Is it my money or is it their money? The kids inherited. You'll never have a better conversation with a, people, a person in a second marriage when you lay out what the consequences are when there are two sets of kids there. That's a story in and of itself. By the way, her kids, watch. Can you see me? Mm -hmm. uh, her kids love me. <laughs> you know what that means? They tolerate me for one reason. I'm good to their mother. Come. Yeah. My opinion is worth nothing to them. I stay out of their business. They're cordial. So watch what happens if I need care. And opposite, what if my wife needs care? What are my kids thinking? Where are her kids taking care of her? You see what yeah. happens? Welcome to families. Well, I think that brings up an important important uh, topic, though. If you know, once once you have a care plan, like let's say you had that proactive conversation with your advisor, your family members, or not your family members, you're with your advisor, and you you realize the consequences, and you take action. You know, whether you can get insurance, or maybe you're not insurable, you can't get insurance, and but you still have a plan. You still set funds aside. I mean, that's that happens often with people over fifty. They no, they they're don't. uninsurable. They don't they don't set funds aside. Please. They don't set. Uh, yeah, well, well, meaning meaning they they look at a part a portion of their portfolio and say we can spend this for care. No, no. and set it in a separate account. I've seen oh, it happen. You really have absolutely, you absolutely. Take a hundred percent and put it into a long term care account. Not a long term care account, but it's more of an account they're never going to use in their lifetime, and it's either A for legacy or B for long term care. I. I I do it with clients because, you know, a lot of my clients are, their RMDs are taking care of a lot of their income. Listen, they don't need they it. Call you, they will call you like the sun comes up in the east 
<laughs> minute they get a diagnosis looking for long-term wet your pants in a nursing home insurance. That's the first thing. Well, not the ones that can't get insurance, you know, not the ones that are no, uninsurable. Of course they can't because they have a diagnosis. Yeah. But up until that time, they're willing to cover the cost. Why? Because there is no risk. Therefore, there are no consequences. Jeepers. I've been in the business for 30 years. It happens every single day. And by the way, the financial advisor calls up the wholesaler, okay, or the broker general agent and says, hey, I got a client for you. The first thing the broker general agent is thinking, what? Yeah, what's the health issue? Yeah, yeah, what's the health issue? And then, yeah. of course, it doesn't get underwritten, and the financial advisor gets all bent out of shape. That's why I don't refer people to you, Kevin, because you don't underwrite them. You see well, what I think. Well, I think um, the, the reality is, I mean, um, I think I saw a stat recently. I know you don't like statistics, but I do. Um, over 30% of people over 60 get denied long-term care. So... Well, you know, I, I, I do think there are a lot of people out there that do have the intentions to take care of their obligations, but they don't have insurance. And I think my, my point is that once you have a care plan, whether it's insurance or not, you have a care plan, you understand the consequences. The important part is communicating that care plan to your loved ones. Wait a second. Back up. Right. 30 percent. It's roughly about 25 percent. doesn't matter. 25, 30 percent. Listen to me. That's why they want the product. They're already sick. Yeah. That's the right. point I'm making. The question is, yeah. when this person was healthy, would they have wanted long-term care insurance? Yeah, no. well, I think I think the challenge is that if you, you know, bringing it up to someone in their 40s, it's just not, no, it's, just, it's not going to resonate. Forget 40s. It's a, it's, it's a conversation with someone in their mid-50s, okay? Correct. The point is, if they're perfectly healthy, they don't think it's going to happen to them, Okay. So that's why they don't buy it because the advisor has been using risk to scare the person into purchasing. That doesn't work. They'll self-insure. They need care. I'm going to think twice about self-insuring. Let me see if I can get that product. So you just proved the point. Those 25 or 30%. When they were healthy, would they have bought it? Probably not. So listen, you want to talk to people who don't want to talk to you. Do you understand what I just said to you? (laughs) You want to talk to people who don't want to talk to you. You know what I just told you? That means they're perfectly healthy. Yeah. So the question is, do you as a financial advisor believe the subject is important enough to integrate into a discussion during a portfolio review? If you do, you, you know what I taught you in the CLTC course, and we have sales scenarios that show you how to conduct a, a conversation. Let me, you want a quick example? Go for it. So you're the client, I'm the advisor, okay? Let's role play. Okay. So this is during a portfolio review. Kevin, any questions on the strategy? No, it's looking pretty good there, Harley. Have you got a minute? Yep. I got to talk to you about a subject. Okay. Okay, listen to this. I need to talk to you about a subject, Kevin, that left unattended to and never occurred has the potential of causing serious, if not irreversible consequences to the people you've invited into your life and said you'd take absolute responsibility for. What's your response? Tell me more. There you go. The subject is extended care. What is extended care? There you go. See what we're doing now? Yeah. Getting permission to, to have the discussion. I mean, you're, you're getting the buy-in, have the conversation. 
Have I mentioned risk? No. Cost of care? So what I explained to you is extended care is caused by impairments. There's a physical impairment, a cognitive, physical or chronic medical conditions that can be managed with medication and therapy, can never be cured. A cognitive impairment is a marked decline in your intellect where you're no longer safe. But here's what they share in common. They so incapacitate you that you're no longer safe, which means the people, Kevin, that you said that you would take care of would have little or no choice but to put their lives aside to take care of you. I can't imagine that's acceptable to you. That's not. There you go. That's how you talk to people. You see what you did? Yeah, and, and and I think that's great. I mean, I think like you said, it's you're not leading with risk or product. I mean, you're 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 talking about loved ones, you know, the family's loved ones, you know, the or the client's loved ones, um, and and responsibilities. And and I think that's that's a a great way to have the discussion. And, and I think that will hopefully give people more confidence to to have those conversations with their clients. Um, yeah. And and I do I will say, you know, once you have the plan though in place, Harley, how do you implement the plan? Well, the plan's simple. Pause intentional to keep you safe at home. And you do that by having others provide care. Instead of having your family as a care provider, you want to bring others to provide the care and let the family supervise the care. Second, paying for that care is expensive and you don't want to go into the portfolio to do so. That's the plan. Now, what's going to fund the plan and that's when the first time you talk about insurance. Insurance, yeah. And, and I think, um, and then and then going a step further is, you know, of, of course, you know, once you have the plan, you know, whether it's a combination of insurance or portfolio, because you know, at the end of the day, how do you how do you know how much insurance to buy, right? And 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 even if you wanted to fully insure a, an in home care event, Harley, I mean, that's pretty expensive. May not some people may not be able to afford that, right? That's where the advisor works with a, a wholesaler or broker general agent. Mm-hmm. For those people who don't know what we're talking about, people who are licensed to sell insurance cannot write directly with the carrier. They have to go through an intermediary and that's called a broker general agent. And you know this, you would call up the broker general agent, talk to the internal wholesaler and give the individual, male or female, a background about the family, what the cost of care is in that community. And then they talk mm-hmm. about a product. That would cover the majority of care. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. But the client has to believe yeah. that the conversation is about a plan to mitigate. That's a critical word to mitigate the consequences, not a conversation to sell a product. Yeah, and, and, and I've seen instances, Harley, where a product is used, right? Let's say someone has long-term care insurance, but maybe they were only able to buy something that would cover half of an in-home care event, you know, or memory care. I mean, memory care, 12000 a month, you know, in certain places. I mean, you know, buying a policy that would cover that. So so they, their plan is to supplement the product with their portfolio, but that was never communicated to their loved ones, you know, their children who are stepping in to, to be the care coordinator. But in the fact, they do have funds set aside for it. The kids need to be brought in. Uh, my yeah. children understand that their mother, my former spouse, has coverage. It's like $500 a day. So... My daughter, Emily Lilly, if they, if my former spouse starts to fail, she's 74, she's okay right now. If she starts to fail, there's a source of income 
that will pay for care. So if Lily, who lives in Annapolis, takes her mother in, she has a policy to pay for care. So it doesn't stress the family <clears throat> or assisted living might be appropriate. So that's all part of that's all part of the plan. But again, basically, it's to keep you at home, keep you safe, yeah. and mitigate the consequences of providing care by having others do it. Again, here's just a catchphrase. You turn care providers into care supervisors. Yeah. That's great, Harlan. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been amazing. Yeah. And, and hopefully people uh, learned a lot and um, you know um, understand what the conversation how it should should sound and, and and what you're actually solving for. You're not solving for the risk, you're solving for the consequences to the loved ones that you have obligations for. And um, I think that's an important important um, nugget there to take away. And and uh, there's plenty more takeaways, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But thank you, Harley, for for jumping on and um, be sure to, to check out Harley's uh, website. Harley, you want to plug any websites or anything going on in your world? No, I just... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a plugger. Yeah, uh, well, I do um, speeches all over the country on the subject. You're an example yeah. because the subject's important, and people have you know these conversations give them a different view of it. You might have yeah. your your clients might have thought or listeners thought that I was trying to sell long term care insurance. By the way, I'm not even licensed. <laughs> when I give speeches, you know what I say? I don't even care if you like the product or not. It's really not a conversation about product. Yeah. It's a conversation about a subject that has a dramatic impact on families. But Kevin, thanks very much for offering yeah. to, uh, to have me on. Uh, of course, Harley. Thank you so much. And thanks, Emily, for setting this up. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. Wow. What a powerful message from Harley. I just had the opportunity to go back and listen to the discussion. I've had a chance to write down some key planning opportunities that I'll share here in just a moment. But full transparency, this this topic around extended care, it is probably the most difficult uh, discussion you can have around retirement planning. You know, becoming frail, the aging process, diminished capacity, um, but, but it's arguably the most important topic that you can have. And, um, and again, I hope this encourages you to begin planning early and start to think about this before it's too late. So without further ado, here are some planning opportunities. Number one, if you're over 50, stop thinking about the risk of extended care for you. And instead, think of the consequences of extended care on your loved ones. If you're an advisor, I challenge you to re reframe the discussion and stop throwing out statistics on risk to the client. Instead, focus on the loved ones and focus on the people that would be impacted in the event your client needed care. Number two, there are two serious and irreversible consequences to extended care. Number one is the emotional and physical well-being of your loved ones. You know, the people, your loved ones providing and coordinating your care. You know, I think Harley's quote was really powerful. An extended care event does not bring the family together. It rips them apart. The second is the portfolio stress as financial commitments that you and, and your spouse made are now at risk because of an invasion of capital assets. So the goal of LTC planning or long-term care planning is, I loved Harley's quote at the very end, turn care providers into care supervisors. The third takeaway I wrote down was if there was a need to invade capital assets on the balance sheet, where would your decision makers go first? You know, you might know your plan, but your loved ones, your adult children, your spouse may not know the plan. And so it's important to have that conversation and be proactive with those the communication because you're not gonna be the ones likely making the decision, it's gonna be your family members and your loved ones. The fourth takeaway I wrote down was blended families 
When there are two sets of kids, the consequences are amplified. And so for you blended families out there, this is, this is, it's an important conversation for everybody, but it's even more important, you know, to make sure your children and your spouse's children are protected. Last but not least, number five, the products or long-term care insurance. It gives caregivers or loved ones the permission to spend. You know, Harley laid this out beautifully in that even if there's money there, let's say the husband needs care, the wife steps in to provide it. She's not going to touch the money, you know, mainly because of fear that current and future financial commitments are going to be at risk. And, you know, that's why 70% of extended care is provided by unpaid, unpaid caregivers or family members. And so I do think the insurance is powerful in that it simply gives the loved ones permission to spend the money. That is it for today, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate you. And until next time, this is Kevin Lau signing off for the Planning for Retirement podcast.